In Tovshin Memches, when the Rebbe was sitting Shiva for the Rebbetzin, the Rebbe was visited by Bibi Netanyahu, who was at the time the ambassador to the UN. And there's a recording of that uh, visit. And you can hear in the recording where Bibi is trying to comfort the Rebbe by telling him that Evel, he says it in Hebrew, Evel, sorrow, is the flip side of joy. What he was trying to reflect is a famous theory and a famous saying that you can only appreciate happiness if you know what sorrow is, if you know what sadness is. If there's no pain, there's no joy. Joy is validated by the opposite, by the absence of joy. If, if someone never experienced the absence of joy, then there is no joy. Because constant joy is, it doesn't exist. It has to be punctuated by occasional disappointment, by an occasional um, state of pain, of suffering, disillusionment, and so on. So the Rebbe responded to this comment and said, yeah, but there is another type of simcha. And the Rebbe mentioned that um, the Navi tells us, Hashem dimo ponim. When Mashiach comes, Hashem will wipe away every tear from every face. And the Rebbe said that the Loshen, the language, umocha, he will wipe away, means that he'll wipe it away in such a way that there will be nothing left, no trace of the past. No trace of the past sadness will be will remain when Mashiach comes. A time free of sorrow, in an absolute sense. And yet at the same time, the Navi tells us that the era of Mashiach will be marked with Simchas Oilam al Reisham. An eternal happiness will dwell over their heads. So here we have a, a, a time where joy is not defined by the opposite of joy, because there will no be there will not be the opposite of joy. Hashem. Hashem will completely uh, uh, eradicate the whole idea of sorrow and sadness and pain will not even exist, not even exist in our imagination. And yet, at the same time, it will be a state of joy. So here we have joy which is not validated by the opposite of joy, and yet it's an eternal joy. It's a constant, ongoing joy. So the Rebbe Nesicha mentions that there are four levels of joy in Yiddishkeit, in Torah. There's one level of joy which is when you do a mitzvah, you should do it besimcha. Now that's a, a, a mandate of joy, which is a condition for doing mitzvahs. In other words, the mandate is really the mitzvah. The mitzvah is the main objective, but there's a condition that the mitzvah should be done with a sense of joy. Then there is another level of simcha, where simcha becomes much more emphasized. Yomtev, Moyadim Le Simcha, Yomtev Besamachte Bechagecha, there the emphasis is on the joy. 
a yid has to be besimcha and yantif. But at the same time, the simcha is associated with the yantif. It's not just any time of the year, any time a person exists, he has to be besimcha. During that period of time, there's an emphasis on simcha. But then there is the mishenichnas adam marbim besimcha. Here we're asking a Jew to be besimcha not because of a certain activity, a certain preoccupation with something, not because he's in a certain condition that uh, is engenders simcha, not because of a certain experience, just to be besimcha as an end in itself, without any reason, without any uh, cause or condition that will induce simcha experiencing a source of simcha that does not depend on any condition outside the person himself. And the Rebbe says that Purim, Adar Yoda, is even a higher level of simcha. Because in other, Marbim Simcha means to be besimcha without a cause, without a reason. But on Purim, not only is there no reason for the simcha, the person is not even aware he's besimcha. In other words, the simcha has seeped so deeply into the very fabric of the person's identity that the person and the simcha has become synonymous. Just like a person doesn't walk around thinking, I'm alive, I am, I exist, because it's something that you don't think about, because it's part and partial of the very essence of who you are. So that's Purim. So the difference basically is there's a simcha that we try to seize, we try to envelop in our lives. So we look for conditions and things that will induce that kind of simcha. But then there is a source of simcha independent of us, or independent of our conscious beings. But it resides deep inside the very essence, by de facto, of who we are. And that simcha envelops us. We're not trying to envelop it and to experience it. It seizes us. That is a simcha that comes from the neshama itself, just by virtue of who it is, what it is, connected to the very essence of what Hashem is. In Oiz Vechedva Bimkaimai, where Hashem is, there's only Chedva joy. Because joy means something that has no boundaries, has no limitation. Constraints is the first foundation, the first basis for the limitation of simcha. Where there's no boundaries, there is endless simcha. And this is what Purim is. Purim is experiencing that most essential bond, which is not based on any condition and any mitzvah, is before the Jew engages in any activity that will connect the Jew through his actions or through his speech or through his thoughts, the very fact that the neshama is, that is the source for simcha. One of the great siddim of the Alter Rebbe, when he walked down the street, he would have suddenly a flash of joy, and he would grab somebody in the street and make him dance with him, that he's a Jew, just the fact that I am. There's a very interesting story with Revelvul Brisker. There's a, they tell in the... Um, a biography of Velva Briska that once people were standing in uh, Velva had his own little shul in his house so he had his bed 
apparently his wife wasn't there anymore. He had his bed and there was a minion in his in his house. So once after minion, uh, Balabatim who came to his minion wanted to you know started talking to him about various things. And there were also children in the background who were jumping around and they were jumping on the the Briskarov's bed. So one of the Balabatim was uh, very uh, taken aback that these children are disrespectful. They're jumping on the, the Briskarov's bed. So he, he immediately turned to them and says, you know, stop it. They should go away. They should be respectful. Then he turned to the Briskarov and said, you know, these are children. They, they, they haven't experienced real life yet. They don't know. And the Briskarov said to him, you're mistaken. The Bria that Hashem created in us, we as creations of Hashem, are by default happy creations. This is the way the Ebrister made us. Yismach Hashem b'ma'asov. He didn't quote the verse, but Yitzhidus mentions it. Hashem rejoices with his creation. And Yismach Yisrael ba'asov. Creation is happy with his maker. And the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, when Hashem created every being, he can... He asked and consulted each creation, do you want to be created? Are you happy about it? And he only created after that creation said yes. In other words, creation by default is axiomatically associated with simcha because it is a, a, a product of the Ebrister himself where there is no room for anything else. A Novi can't have Nevoah and closeness to Hashem when he's not Besimcha, as the Rambam writes. But the Ebesha created us, he created us, says the Briska of a happy being. So children are happy. They still have that natural, default, divine nature of Simcha that the Ebesha made us with. It's us, the adults, through our own uh, corruptions, that we lose that natural divine design of simcha. Experiencing that natural simcha that takes us back all the way to the very essence of our connection to Hashem Himself, this is accomplished in other and Purim through the Messiris Nefesh that Jews had on Purim.